So I, I did like an entire WordPress one day course with all these people who are really excited to learn WordPress. And uh, that was really fun. And, and people said like, wow, like I really like the way you teach. Like you explain things so simply. And I thought like, huh, like I have no idea how to teach properly. I just know how it makes sense in my head. And I'm just saying that. Hello, and welcome to Developer's Journey, the podcast shining a light on developers' lives from all over the world. My name is Tim Bourguignon, and today I receive Wes Boss. Wes is a full-stack developer from Canada. He creates web development courses on CSS and JavaScript and hosts a podcast called Syntax.fm. Wes, welcome to Dev Journey. Thanks for having me on. Excited to be here. So let's roll back all the way to the beginning. When did your journey into software development begin in the first place? Oh, long time ago, um, when I was, I don't know, maybe grade five or so. Um, I was just kind of putzing around on the internet trying to learn how to make websites. Um, I uh, created a website for the PlayStation 2, which was, let me look it up. Um, PlayStation 2 release date came out March 4, 2000. So I've been creating websites for probably... 20, 20 years now. Um, and uh, I, I made this little website about PlayStation and I kind of liked it. And I made my own little website with HTML and frames for just like pictures of friends and I. Um, and I, I always kind of had an interest in that. Um, but it wasn't until like I got into uh, high school and MySpace started coming out. And MySpace was a huge social media network. And the kind of cool thing about MySpace is that you could skin your profile by pasting CSS into the um, like bio input line. Like you could just go in and, and dump some CSS in there. You could go grab <clears throat> a bunch of these pre-made themes. It was pretty cool. So uh, I started like learning a lot more about CSS and how all of that worked and and how I could uh, tweak it and change colors and, and adjust padding and, and swap out background images, things like that. And uh, I, I really started to like it. Um, and sort of at the same time, I was also like really enjoying um, graphic design um, and designing CD art. I did a lot of T-shirts and it was all within the, the Canadian hardcore scene, which is like like um, just like bands that come and play hardcore music. So we I, I started like kind of get involved with all these bands and they would ask me to build um, my spaces for them. They would ask me to design CD art, t-shirts, things like that. Um, and then as my space started to fade away or, um, as, as they also wanted websites, we, they asked me to come build them like just legitimate websites. So, uh, that MySpace love, it, it sort of cut my teeth on, on HTML and CSS. And then I was able to, um, take it a step further and just start building out about websites. Um, at that time, I had gotten into university. Um, I went into uh, information technology management. Um, it's a program. It's not now. Sorry, it's now called uh, business technology management, and it's a it's a business degree focused on like management of large technology corporations and focusing on things like telecom and IP addresses and systems and, and building out large systems within companies and. Um, it wasn't a coding class, so I had taught myself to code. Um, and all through university, while I was doing this business degree, I was 
just building websites, teaching myself more and more and just taking on like paid freelancing work. Um, and it came time to to graduate uh, all through school. I did these like co-ops where you, you go into different businesses and work for them. Um, and I had decided I didn't like any of the co-ops. Um, so I tried to let them co-op for myself. <laughs> so I like kind of hired myself and I just went off on my own and ran my own business, uh, which is pretty cool. I got like $3,000 from the Canadian government and I bought a laptop with that money. I made some business cards. Um, by that time, I had been really involved in Twitter and the, in the, the Toronto tech scene. So I had met a whole bunch of people and um, I had been teaching myself WordPress for a couple of years as well. So I was sort of just set up. I had like the skill of WordPress that I was learning. I had all these clients from they were used to be in hardcore bands or they're part of the Toronto tech scene. I had all these people that knew I built websites. Um, and I kind of like just took it from there and said, like, you know what, I'm going to do this. And then uh, I did the co-op. I, I kind of just like just got through the rest of school. I had a year left of school and I was like, I'm so sick of this. I'm just going to just going to pass. My marks were are not amazing. Um, like I didn't like just like flunk through it. I still had to get decent marks. But um, I knew at that point, I'm like, I'm so over everything they're teaching me in in this fourth year. And like I had learned a lot about business and marketing and, and things like that and finance as well. And appreciative of that. But I was just like so gung ho. I was like, I'm going to run my own company and I'm going to make websites and I'm going to design things and it's going to be awesome. And and that's what I did. And, and probably that was, I don't know, maybe eight years, 10 years ago um, that, that that happened. And uh, I had just been a freelancer for probably six or seven of those, just building stuff for people. Um, and so that's like pretty much my whole coding journey. And then I have this other part of my life that is teaching people to code. So as I was a freelancer, I I was always in love with like just like blogging and, and doing these YouTube videos. So I was very early on in uh, not in blogging. I, I saw a lot of people like Smashy Mag and CSS Tricks and Code Drops and all these big blogging publications just blowing up, building tutorials online. And I had tried a bunch of those and they did pretty well. Um, and I also had done a bunch of YouTube videos and by kind of putting myself out there and writing these blog posts, I got um, noticed by this sort of upstart in Toronto called Ladies Learning Code, where it's uh, um, like a weekend, one day thing for women to learn technology skills. And they had brought me on for uh, learning how to do um, uh, WordPress. So I, I did like an entire WordPress one day course with all these people who are really excited to learn WordPress. And uh, that was really fun. And, and people said like, wow, like I really like the way you teach. Like you explain things so simply. And I thought like, huh, like I have no idea how to teach properly. I just know how it makes sense in my head. And I'm just saying that. And uh, that was like a huge thing for me because like um, I was like, oh man, like maybe I can like do this more. And I started doing more and more. And then that turned into they they had an offshoot of this thing called Hacker U, which is a, like a boot camp. And we did night classes and, and, and a boot camp and, um, and part time classes and all this stuff. And I built all the curriculum uh, for those initial ones as well. Um, and all this time I was like kind of freelancing. I was doing these things and I was trying to write blog posts as well. Um, and then I just had these a couple blog posts on Sublime Text and they blew up, like getting tons and tons of traffic, uh, way more than I had ever seen to any of my blog posts. And I thought like, huh, 
I hit a nerve here. So uh, I took that and I said, hey, I'm writing a book on Sublime Text. I had a whole bunch of people sign up for it. Um, and then over the next year, I wrote a book on how to use Sublime Text, as well as a couple of videos that came along with it for like kind of a bonus thing. Um, and turns out I really like doing the videos. <laughs> so uh, I, I sort of took my whole teaching skill and, and shifted into somebody who obviously I've been doing YouTube for a while, but I sort of just doubled down and started to make these free and paid web development courses. And that's been the last, I don't know, five years of my life is just creating web development courses. I've got some on Grid and Flexbox and a bunch on React and JavaScript and Node and, and things like that. And, and that's how I, I make my living now is I sell these online web development courses. Um, and it's really cool because I get to teach people how to code and how to level up their skills and how to, how to get better jobs. And it's, it's pretty neat. Awesome. <laughs> that's really cool. <laughs> There's yeah. a whole bunch of things to unpack. So um, <laughs> yeah, let's go back a little None of that was planned either. Like that's if anyone's listening, like that was just constant course correction of like, huh, this is working, this is working, this is working, and being able to like just kind of follow follow your nose as to what's working and what's not. Um, um, allow me to, to go back to the beginning. It sounds sure. as if you were uh, and if you had the entrepreneur mindset from the very beginning, um, already trying to to do stuff with whatever you have and trying to uh, to. Not make a living out of it, but, but create and and um, and yeah, be an entrepreneur. Yeah. Um, what was your idea into going into this this curriculum at university, which sounds way formal, way more formal, way more uh, enterprisey, if I understood it well? Yeah, yeah, it is. It was very enterprisey. Um, almost everybody who graduated from my program either goes to work for a big bank, um, they become consultants. For like Deloitte or PricewaterhouseCooper, like companies like that. Um, and it, for me, it was really just um, taking a look at. It, it was very uh, enterprisey, and um, that was okay. So, like going into it, um, I, I just like loved computers my entire life, and I didn't, I didn't really realize that like working for myself would be a thing. Like I always like. I looked at these huge companies. I remember just like walking downtown and seeing these office buildings that just sprawled into the sky. And um, I was like, oh, man, like, wouldn't it be cool to work there and like be able to like have a wicked office and and to work on computers all day? And like, that was cool. But um, and then that's kind of what I wanted. But I did always have this entrepreneurial mindset. I've got tons of stories about uh, being the kid who picks pears and sells them on the side of the road or uh we we sold chocolates when i was in school and i like i think i made like 40 dollars. i sold like 20 boxes of of like i don't know i sold hundreds of these little boxes of chocolates <laughs> and uh I, I always had that bug but i also just really liked the idea of working for a big company um and then by doing those co-ops um which is like a six-month placement in these different companies i realized like i hate working in companies and like I hate working for these big huge companies with this old outdated tech and nothing moves fast enough and it's not really interesting to me and and also like I'm like well I'm making like some good cash just building these websites on the side like why don't I just keep doing that makes sense yeah how did you did you um stick to your studies for it was four or five years um while not enjoying it so much um I, I like I liked it. Like the, the finance stuff was interesting to me. It was hard. 
um, the like projects of like we had a lot of like communication classes, which I thought were pretty cool. And I, I probably am very good at writing emails and communicating things to people and change management. So like it was all interesting to me and into how it works. And a lot of it was just centered around big business. So um, I, I liked it. It was just at the end where I was just like, I was kind of like ready to move to the next step, which was like building my own, like I was engaged and I was ready to like just start my life and like start building. Like I just had no time to build websites and I wanted to build websites all day long. So <laughs> that's why I was kind of checked out and ready to do it. Um, you said you had your, your list of, um, of customers already. And um, when, you, when you exited the university, you were ready to go. Um, those customers were the ones you, uh, you gathered through the years and uh, always the same? Or are you getting, or where are you getting at that time new customers already and how? Yeah. Um, so I was on Twitter very early on. So Twitter was a much different place like 10 years ago. Um, and it was very much entrepreneurs and techies who were excited about this thing where you could tweet at people. And there was no politics. There was not hundreds of people. There was no like, I remember Leo Laporte, who's like the, the This Week in Tech podcaster. He had the most followers, 10,000. And he was the top of the like Twitter charts, right? Like it was very, very early days. And because of that, we had these things called like tweet ups where you'd like go for beers with random people on Twitter. And that was really exciting. And you, you just, I just met like so many people who were starting up companies and they're all very well connected. Um, so once you build two or three really good websites, you get a reputation for someone who is reliable and can get the job done. And that's extremely hard to find in somebody who's a, um, a freelancer. So like once it's, it's the same with any trade, anyone who has a good electrician, anyone who has a good contractor to work on their home, they almost don't want to tell you who, what their name is because they don't want them to be too busy that they can't do any work for you. And that's the exact same thing happens to uh, people who are working on um, working on websites, right? Like good people are hard to find. And I feel like I wasn't like an amazing developer, but I was like trustworthy and I got the work done by the time I would said it. I had good communication skills because of probably what I learned in school. So um, I think that was a, a big part of it. And uh, it, it, the work just kept coming in, coming in. Um, because I, I think because I focused so hard on being visible to those people, right? Like I didn't like once the work came in, I didn't stop. I still was blogging. I was still was doing these workshops, things like that. Um, I, I tried really hard to make sure that I was always visible. Mm -hmm. How much of your your uh, time do you spend on, on being visible? Um, it's hard to say because it's for me, it was mostly just being on Twitter. And that it's not like a Twitter is not something I sit down and say like, now it's time to do the visible work, you know, like, it's, it's just something I do. It's just part of me. Uh, it's part of my personality. It's part of what I do. I love to interact with people. So uh, for a lot of people, that feels like a chore to them. And they, they think like, oh, like, do I have to put in like an hour a day? And like, then I'm then I can be done. You know, like, to me, it was just it's just part of it. So I, I honestly have no idea. It was just keeping up with what was going on in the industry. Fast forward to today, you said now a big part of your work is teaching and doing videos, but you're still programming websites on the side, right? I'm not doing any client work oh, um, anymore. Probably about two or three years ago, I, I sunsetted my last client, which 
I was a little bit bummed about because I like doing, I love doing client work. So there's always something different. I, I feel like because of all those years of client work, I have like an amazing, um, just I, like I'm able to like look at things from different angles because there's all kinds of different teams. They're all in, they all have different business needs. They all have different tech stacks. Um, so being able to solve that problem in different ways is, is important. So, so these days, um, I have my course platform, which is a giant uh, Node and React.js application. And it handles everything from selling the courses, marketing it, doing affiliates, handling views. People can log in and watch their courses and, uh, and see what they have. So there's a lot that goes on there. And that's sort of how I, I keep my skills sharp these days is... Um, just hacking on that thing and, and building it out. How did you find those um, those topics? Um, how did you did you zoom in on on Node and React? For for React, I just knew that it was something that was up and coming. But that's not my really advice to people because people always ask me. They're like, "Hey, I'm thinking about doing a course on this. Do you think it will sell?" And that's the wrong question to ask because like I'm just one person. And and the reality is is that like what worked really well for me is that I had been blogging for a couple of years and they were doing okay. But those Sublime Text blog posts that I did were a huge success. Um, and that's just a testament to trying lots of little things. Those blog posts took me three or four hours to put together. A YouTube video takes you a couple hours to throw up. And if you do, I don't know, 30 or 40 of them, one of them is going to be, is going to strike a nerve and people are going to start asking for more of that and uh, it's going to get a lot of views, and 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 I think like once you hit that, then that's how you know what it is that you want to you should make something on. Um, and then past that, I people had just started to like me, um, and I was really into React, and I thought like this is a brand new language. Everybody's sort of coming off of jQuery onto React JS, so uh, it was it was I just like kind of knew that this would be a, a big thing for me. And, and luckily I timed it right because I released it just as React started to, to get popular. Did you manage to um, to understand why this uh, blog post about Sublime exploded? Um, because it was something that everybody used, but not everybody, hardly anyone was really good at. Um, and this idea of like one of the big, the big cells for it was like, you're like wasting time being unproductive in your editor. Like, why are you spending time on your tool when you should be spending time writing code? So, um, plus, like, you look like a wicked coder when you're just flying around on the editor, <laughs> keyboard shortcuts and stuff like that. So, like, everybody wants to get better at that, right? Like, it's it's frustrating when you can't code as fast as your your brain can think, right? Mm -hmm. So, uh, just being able to to get good at that. Uh, I think that's why. Um, it, and I, I, I may never know why, but I do know that it was a need that was really kind of unfulfilled out there. At, maybe at the time, there, there was a lot of other blogs, books about Sublime Text, but the way that I explained it or the things that I surfaced, something hit a nerve there and, and they did super well. So I, I took it and ran with it. Mm -hmm. Was it an introduction to Sublime or, or uh, more advanced how to, uh, to, uh, to tweak it and write plugins and stuff? It wasn't plugins. That's the one thing it didn't include. It, it was more like different things like, here's how to get really good at selecting and moving text. And here's a bunch of things to, to, to do with your lines and your cursors. And here's how to work with JavaScript a little bit better. And here's some, some plugins that you can use to, 
to get auto hinting set up way better. And it, all of this stuff was kind of hard to do in Sublime Text. So, um, or it just wasn't apparent to people how to do it. Like if you just look at the editor, there's no, there's no manual, things like that. You just have to hunt through the hunt through the menus at the top. And most people didn't do that. They rather read a blog post or watch a video on it. Is it still your ID of choice today? No, I've switched probably three years ago. I switched to VS Code. Mm-hmm. Um, so I probably will. People have been asking like crazy for it. I probably will build some sort of VS Code course at some point. <laughs> a migration from Sublime to, uh, to VS Code. Yeah, well, I've, almost everybody has has moved from Sublime to VS Code already, but uh, there's just a lot. Like every time I, I release a video, people are always asking, like, "How did you do that?" or like, "What plugin are you using?" or "What theme is that?" that things like that. It's kind of interesting to people. Mm-hmm. Is there a particular reason why you moved to uh, to VS Code? Yeah, the so Sublime for like for like a year, people didn't know if the creator of sublime had abandoned it he there was nothing nothing from them um like the the website wasn't updated there was no new releases uh emails would go unanswered and and people Mm -hmm. sort of were just like "Mm," like not sure what the future of this editor is um and there was like things that we wanted added people were passionate about it and they wanted things added to it um and at the time adam started to gain popularity but it was kind of slow um, and then VS Code came out and they have just cranking out the features and they added just so many nice features and so many, it's like the right balance of UI and just letting me have my code. Mm-hmm. You know, like some editors are a little bit too UI heavy and they've got buttons for everything. Um, and then like something like in Sublime Text, just the tool tips, you couldn't write a good tool tip for the life of you. There was no ability to to do that. Uh, and, and VS Code just gave you all these options to do it and to theme it. And um, it just worked well with things like ESLint and Prettier. It just worked well out of the box. So uh, it just a whole laundry list of, man, this is 23% better in this aspect than, than Sublime is. And, and because of that, I think a lot of people made the switch. Are you missing some, some features in VS Code nowadays? No, no, I can't think of, can't think of anything. I know PHP developers are still on Sublime because the PHP support is not great in VS Code, but I never write PHP hardly anymore, so um, I don't have a problem with that. Switching gears a little bit, um, you said when you when you started teaching, um, you did, you gave this uh, this one day tutorial or, or workshop on WordPress, mm-hmm. and you got some really good feedback about that. Where do you think you got the the vibe from for for teaching before that before that point in time? The thing half of it is my enthusiasm. Um, because there are so many, you've, you've probably seen it. There's lots, so many YouTube videos out there where people are like, hi, welcome to this. I'm going to now code up this list of things. I'm going to loop over. And it's just like your, your sleep in 30 seconds. Um, and trying to have a bit of enthusiasm, um, trying to be funny, things like that, uh, go a long way in keeping people interested. And I, I think that, matched with um, my explanations of things are not bang on with what the uh, like the docs would say like my I, I don't necessarily use all the right language and and things like that which is funny because it often causes 
the people that are much smarter than me to say like, oh, well, actually, you're you're incorrect in that situation. <laughs> and then you get all these people that are beginning coding being like, thank you. That's the best explanation I've had. And like, I understand that I'm I'm not necessarily digging into absolutely everything and using all the confusing jargon because it is exactly that. It's confusing jargon. And if I'm able to relate it to a silly example in real life or something like that, it goes a long way in helping people understand it. And I think that just comes from me remembering how it, how it was when I learned over the years. How did you, did you improve your skills in there um, since then? Did you do something special? Um, my skills in development or in teaching? In teaching, sorry. Um, a lot of it is simply just talking to people, just hearing hearing what they're having trouble with. Um, just like, like it's frustrating learning how to code. Um, and if you just ask, like, what are you having trouble with? Or if you just simply read the emails that you get from people where they're having a hard time getting up and going, that goes a long way in sort of putting yourself in their shoes as to where they're at and not in some developer who's been at it forever and is, is absolutely amazing at it because um, like quite honestly, some of these really, really smart people, like the people that build these frameworks and libraries, um, they're super smart, but they're not the best at getting down to the level of somebody who's new at it um, and explaining to them. So um, I just just talk to people a lot here, here where they're at. Like, I'll give you an example. Um, my JavaScript30.com course is 30 days. Each day is a new um, example. It's it's a new core. It's a new, um, sorry, what's it called? It's like an, a new little app that we build, whether it's speech detection, whether it's a slideshow, just something like that, right? And, and that came from my in-person students saying like, hey, uh, do you have any more examples? Or like, hey, like, what should I do to to get better at coding? I'm like, well, just keep building stuff. And like, well, what should I build? And I was like, oh, not everybody has like unlimited ideas of fun things they could build. <laughs> I got tons <laughs> of them. Why don't I like and throw them together, put a nice design on it, uh, record? Like, obviously, it was the course was a bit more than that, but that's really it at its core. It's just people need examples, or people need to be told things to try to build, and that's how you get better. Where, where do you get your inspiration for four thousand uh, things to build? I just have like a running list of uh, my computer, and anytime I think of, huh, that would be fun to build, or or if you're on a website and you see like a, like Stripe, Stripe's navigation is one of them. I'm like, oh, that's a cool nav. I bet we could build that, and uh, that's exactly what we did. We, we we said, okay, this is a cool nav. How do we build this ourselves? And and we we just implemented it ourselves. So. Anytime I have an idea or anytime I see a, a neat thing, whether it's a UI that we want to rebuild or whether it's a, a cool way to chunk up an array, I want to put that on the list and, and we'll build that at some point in one of my courses. And how how um, important is the, uh, the right-click view source um, on the web to, uh, to explore those ideas that you see and say, oh, oh how, how did they do that? I, I don't usually do that because first, I don't want to just like rip off their code. And I, I kind of want to like see if I can do it myself, right? Like I want to see if I can do it from scratch. So uh, very rarely do I ever inspect or view source on how something works. Um, I'll just try to build it, build it out myself. And uh, sometimes I'll go back and say like, is that how they did it? But um, quite honestly, not that important. The, the view source of the web is getting harder and harder. Like if you inspect element on 
like any modern application these days, you can learn a little bit of CSS here or there, but everything is so obfuscated and, and minified and um, scoped that it's kind of hard to actually dig into it. That's true. So with the uh, transpilation and, and going from one language, yeah. another, it's it's getting harder and harder. <laughs> yeah. But that's fun. That's also also something I'm 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 seeing. I have a whole bunch of ideas of things things I want to build, and uh, actually time is a problem. But never the uh, the ideas of uh, what to build. But that's true. I always uh, meet some people. Yeah. Who, uh, what, what can I do? What do you mean? What yeah. can you yeah. do? <laughs> let's let's assume, um, for instance, there's a there's a new framework that could replace um, uh, React. Um, let's not call it Vue, but uh, let's say there's there's something else um, coming afterward. Um, how would you would you go about and um, and evaluate it and and Ask yourself if it's if it might be the next thing you should be teaching. How, how do you go about with some new material like this? I always tell people like I don't predict; I just react um, to things. So, like React was out for a couple of years before I even tried it, um, and and by the time I had tried it and got really into it, it had been gaining momentum. So, like I kind of just like let some let something sit for a while and see if it's going to go anywhere. Like Vue was a good example. Like Vue came out a while ago, and now after maybe like three years, it's here to stay, and it's a serious contender. In if you're going to pick one of these frameworks, right? Um, and and right now there's another one. It's called Svelte, and it's gaining some traction. It's starting to become popular. You hear a lot about it, but I'm sort of just sitting on my hands, um, and and waiting to see is it really going to be something that. Um, is worth doing a course on or something that's worth investing a lot of time on. Um, and if it is, then what my process for that is basically just like building a whole bunch of apps, making sure that I understand it, um, talking to experts about it, talking on Twitter about it, um, and just kind of just immersing yourself in that framework or that language or whatever it is so that you can um, become somewhat of an expert on it. Do you have a go-to scenario or something that you build over and over um to um, to compare frameworks or to compare the way you build things no there's there's like a to do mbc that does that and it, you just build a to-do list and everything but i honestly just try to build something in like i don't know whenever i have a little app that i need to build myself or a little idea something like that i'll just just pick it up so it's not always the exact same thing um, I definitely make sure I'm like make sure this includes fetching data, storing data, um, user interactions, paging from one page to like you got to make sure you hit all of those. But the actual app I build might be different from from uh, app to app. Um, looking looking toward the uh, the future, where, where do you see your 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 business going in the in the next years? Um, I think just making more courses. I'm I'm really happy with where I'm at right now. I'm. I'm just making courses. People are really enjoying them. Um, it's supporting me and my family, which is really cool. I get to do a lot of free courses. I get to release a lot of free content on YouTube. I tweet out a lot of these hot tips, I call them, where it's just a couple lines of code and explain something. Um, and like that's kind of like the perfect world for me is being able to like make money and but also I guess support the community and and teach people things. Um, so uh, rea the reality of, of what's next, it's, it's not creating this massive training empire and it's not hiring a bunch of people 
out. It's kind of just making courses and, and keep teaching people things that I, I think they should learn. You said, you said two trigger words now. Um, <laughs> let's pick it. Let's pick the segment first. Um, you said not hiring uh, a lot of people. Are you still working alone or do you have people working with you? I have uh, an assistant who handles all of my support. So a huge burden on me is email. I get hundreds of, of like legitimate emails a day. Um, some of those are technical in nature, um, and those usually get diverted to my Slack channel. Um, and then there is like a whole bunch of just like billing and invoicing for things like conferences and workshops and um, responding to questions and, and making um, purchase orders, things like that. That's, that stuff is just busy work. And um, I have my assistant come and do all of that. So all she handles all my email before it hits me. Um, and then the stuff that needs me gets passed along. Um, and I have another developer part-time who helps me on my course platform, just implementing features, things like that. Um, but but that's pretty much it. Um, I'm not all that interested in becoming a manager and, and managing people and things like that. I just want to be able to sit down and sling some code. <laughs> I feel you. I feel you. Yeah. Um, the other trigger word was uh, was community. Yeah. In which communities are you are you involved? Uh, I think the web development community is is uh, like I I don't really know what they're called, but like people who like building websites and that community primarily exists in a couple places. It's Twitter is where we talk day to day. Um, our podcast is is fairly large. We get average forty five thousand listens per episode. Um, so there's a huge community around that about listening and, and tweeting back questions after it's live, things like that. Um, and then like conferences is probably another one as well. Just meeting people at conferences and chit chatting with them, having a beer, things like that. Are you still involved with, uh, with uh, ladies learning code? I, I'm not right now. Um, it's actually, they've renamed themselves to, um, Canada learning code, which is pretty cool. And then they have like kids and teens and women and, um, it's pretty cool. Um, I'm I moved out of the city, and uh, it, most of the stuff was on weekends. And I'm pretty protective um, about my evenings and weekends. That's family time for me. At least right now, I just can't afford to be away from my family all that often. Uh, so I haven't been doing much of those. The internet is wide enough. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> do, do you have some resources that you um that you follow along and things that you always go back to and uh and read or listen to or, or watch hmm that's that's a good question i i think like yeah, let me break that down into to resources i think like one big resource is like what's new in css and javascript so that's that's a big one for me um, and how I keep up to date with those is primarily two ways is um, follow key people on Twitter. Um, and usually stuff gets talked about on Twitter when it is new, when it's exciting, things like that. Um, I'll try to watch conference talks um, on YouTube. I watch them at 2x, so two times the speed. You can get through them nice and quickly, especially if you skip the whole hello, welcome and, and questions after. Um, you can just like burn through one a one hour talk in like twenty two minutes, something like that. Um, another big one for me is just release notes for browsers. So anytime a browser has a major release, they'll say what was added in it. Um, especially if you go to like something like Safari, they have a huge listing of what's new, what's been added. Um, you can sort of dig into to that. Like 
like a, a really good example is like in the browser, and we have now have these INTL methods for formatting money and and translating lists of things and um, sorting letters based on capital or not. There's just all these like really cool APIs that will take into account the user's locale or their language or their country. Um, and uh, I just saw like a couple, I don't know, maybe a year ago that those were implemented in one of the browsers. And I sort of just doubled down. I read all the documentation on how that works. So I usually use MDN, Mozilla Developer Network for that. Um, and then just get really, really familiar with it. And and, and then I usually turn those into um, what I call hot tips, where it's just these little tweets of screen a screenshot of some code and explaining how it works and, and when it might be useful. So that's like my like resources for staying up to date with what's new in, in JavaScript. Um, what else? Sorry, what else? What was the question? I totally forget. No, that's good. That's good. Um, do you have a, a book that you come back to um, uh, every so often? Uh, never. I. That's one thing about me is I have never. Let me think about that. I don't think I've ever read a tech book uh, in my entire career. I never read. I never read the things in university, things like that. I remember having um, a like uh, a a course in in university on like Cisco. Like there's this like there's this like certification that you can get like CCNAT Cisco certification something like that. And mm-hmm. we had to like do a test that was very similar to that. I'm talking how about IPs get assigned and broad broadcast and, and like you know, and just networking in general with computers. Um, and I remember just like looking at the book. I'm like, this makes no sense to me. And I found this like <laughs> guy on YouTube that had like a three hour long YouTube video of him and a piece of paper. And he just explained the whole thing. I was like, this is so much better. And like maybe that was like an early reason why I started to do video. But I hardly ever read books for anything, which is weird because I like I I gobble down audiobooks. I listen to them like crazy, but I I almost never will sit down with a paper book and and read it all the way through, which is kind of weird, but I hear it more and more often, especially with developers that are younger than I am and they're getting into the industry. This uh, this uh, video uh, thing seems to be a trend, uh, skipping the uh, the formal uh, things and getting down to you know, to the bare metal and and the uh, the way to do it and um, I'm not sure if it's the same word in English. Uh, vulgarizing, so in, in meaning uh, meaning making it accessible for everyone. Yeah, yeah. It's, um, seems to be a trend. It's it's definitely interesting. I think that it is a good medium for lots of things, but um, I, I also know that it's not a good medium for everybody. Like I hear from tons of people, it says, "I rather a book." Sorry, I can't buy your course. I'm like, that's fine. That's like I'm not trying to please everybody by doing video. I'm just trying to please. A small subsection of people who like video, who also like the the frameworks that I use, and who also enjoy the way that I explain things. Uh, since we are we're talking about university and uh, we're closing in on the end of our time, but slowly, if you had one advice to give newcomers that are slowly coming out of university today, one advice to um, before they get uh, they get on with their professional life, uh, what would that be? I think I see a lot of people come out of university, and and then they go, okay, now what? Uh, I guess I'll take a course and uh, like, I guess I'll take like a do a couple YouTube videos and I'll, I'll learn to code. Um, and at that point, it's probably 
it's not too late for sure. It's not too late, but it's it's hard because you've got crushing student debt. Um, you need to be making money, so like you have to like also get a job. And I hear from a lot of people who are like three or four years into to their job, and they're like, I don't really like this. I want to become a web developer. Um, and then there's not a whole lot to show for what they've been working on. So like my advice would be is like start working in public, start joining in on the conversation, um, start a little YouTube channel. Even if you don't know what you're doing and you don't think the work that you're creating is very good, start putting it out there um, because that's going to leave a little bit of a trail. You're going to get you give yourself a little bit of momentum. Um, and, and before you know it, that's going to be a huge asset for whether it is you want to like go in which direction uh, that you want to go, especially forget even if you just want to get hired by uh, a company, having this amazing like back catalog of work is is incredible. Amen. Yeah. Thank you for the invite. <laughs> so, um, if the listeners wanted to uh, to continue the discussion with you, uh, would Twitter be the uh, the appropriate uh, place to be? Yeah. If if you want to talk to me, I'm I'm usually on Twitter. I know I talked about that a lot. Um, so I'm Twitter at Westboss, W-E-S-B-O-S. Uh, my website is westboss.com. You can take a look at that. It has all my, I, I'm on Instagram a lot as well. Um, more tech on on Twitter and more just life in general. Like I've been I've been hacking these little uh, 12 volt like Jeeps for my kids. Like, you know, like these these little cars that the kids drive in. Um, mm -hmm. I've been like hacking them and, and buying them. And I found a couple in the garbage and I fixed them up. So like like stuff that's like not developer, but a developer adjacent. Like if you're a developer, you're probably interested in in this kind of stuff. It's kind of cool. So that's on my Instagram, which is at Westboss as well. Um, do you have anything coming up in the next uh, month that you want to plug in? Yeah, I am uh, releasing what I'm going to call beginner JavaScript. And it's been my life's work for almost the past year. Um, and it's going to be a course that teaches JavaScript fundamentals from the ground up. Um, and I've, I've sort of taken everything I've learned about how people learn and, and what is interesting and making it fun and uh, making this massive course that is uh, JavaScript from the ground up. So I'm pretty excited about it. I think it's going to be like a, a really great resource that you can point people to. Like I know a lot of people listening might already know JavaScript. Um, and if that's the case, then I'm sure you know somebody else that will uh, be interested. So that'll be available at beginnerjavascript.com once it's launched, maybe by the time you hear this. Um, any chance to see you uh, in real life at conferences, Joe? Do you have anything lined up? Um, I just finished off my last one in New York. I'm not doing a whole lot right now because of I have I just had a new baby boy and I can't do a mm -hmm. whole bunch of traveling. Um, so nothing. I don't think I have anything on the books right now, but uh, I, I usually will put them on my website if I've got something coming up. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, fantastic. Wes, thank you very much for this uh, for this overview of your journey uh, from You're the very beginning to uh, all your courses and what's coming next. Fantastic. Thank you very much. All right. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. And this has been another episode of Devil's Journey. We'll see each other next week. Bye-bye. Dear listener, if you haven't subscribed yet, you can find this podcast on iTunes, Google Music, Stitcher, Spotify, and much more. Head over to www.devjourney.info to read the show notes, 
find all the links mentioned during the episode and of course links to the podcast on all those platforms. Don't miss the next developer's journey story by subscribing to the podcast with the app of your choice right now. And if you like what we do, please rate the podcast, write a comment on those platforms and promote the podcast on social media. This really helps fellow developers discover the podcast and those fantastic journeys. Thank you.